This is Big Business with Sarah, the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to continue building their business and understand you should never stop learning. This episode is for all the writers, visual artists, musicians, performance, filmmakers, and photographers I know and which I who I don't know. And I know that making money is not the first thing on your mind when you're starting your practice, but you do need money to survive and be able to create more art for people who enjoy your outputs. You need material, you need uh, ways to create a bigger crowd. So you do actually need money. And I've been working in arts and culture for about 15 years now. So I know exactly what I'm talking about. I know the field very well. I'm currently coaching amongst amongst other professions. I'm coaching artists and I've worked with numerous artists as a curator, a program maker and an event organizer. So I'm going to refrain myself from sharing my opinion on the system. So the way that arts and culture are funded right now and, you know, how, you know, everyone is thinking about subsidies, for instance, or how everybody thinks, you know, about a certain um, way that we should all do private funding or not. I'm not going to share that with you because... You know, I've 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 done a lot of policy making and uh, and and discussing about this with policymakers actually. So this episode is actually to help you as an artist personally because that's what will help you and that's what we're here for. You're not here to hear my opinion on this. If you do want to have my opinion, I mean, you can send me a message if you do want that, but I don't think so. You will. <laughs> um, so money and art, right? So. This has uh, literally been an eternal struggle for artists. So, you know, all those stories of, of artists that, that um, you know, that they were having trouble making money the way I'm having trouble finding my words right now. Um, so, you know, I've been, you know, to one of those discussions, you know, with those policymakers and, uh, I was a policymaker too, at some point, by the way, but so why are you an entrepreneur actually when you are making arts? And I even know that there's someone listening, um, really not liking the word entrepreneur, for instance. Uh, but my message for you is to actually embrace the term and embrace it, make it yours because with some very easy to apply strategies, you might actually be able to make more out of the work that you're putting in and, um, you know, creating that output each and every day. I'm saying, by the way, um, uh, easy to apply. It's easy, but it's not, you know, it's not very simple. So, you know, it's, you're going to need something, um, something, uh, to think about really. And that's, you know, this episode is going to help you figure out what could be your uh, best way to make uh, that money that we spoke about in the in the beginning. So, and yes, the internet has really changed the scope in, you know, every sector in arts and culture possible. But actually, instead of reminiscing too much about better times, so remember my Spice Girls episode a few episodes ago, which was really very much, of course, about labels and and money and sponsorship deal, etc. Deals, etc. This was really pre-internet age. So let's just see what the internet and you know our current society can do for you, actually. So 
I am actually going to start with a few examples on what it was, right? So just, just to actually reminisce with you. So in the music industry, it was very much about big labels, money. It was very undemocratic. Um, you know, you made money through tours, merchandise. And right now it's mostly online. You have Spotify and Apple Music who are kind of holding all the chips <laughs> and um You know, you could live off your royalties, uh, and it's actually it, it's not a lot coming from streaming. So if you're lucky, you're being aired on the radio, uh, which is actually actually making quite some money. Um, but you can still make money from tours and merchandise. Um, so it's difficult to stand out, but there's more opportunity to actually step in, and I mean that's obviously um, connected. Um, So with tours, I mean, you know, most stages don't have a lot of budget. I'm also coming back to that later. Uh, but there are ways on how to make that better for you. So if you're a writer, I think this has never been really the jackpot to earn a lot of money, except if you have a bestseller. So I once let one of my clients, who is a writer, calculate her hourly rate for writing her book. And I think she got to two cents per hour. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's much more about the other things that are going to make you money. And, you know, I hate the word side hustle, but actually, I mean, you, you really need it if you're going to make those two cents per hour. Um, I know that as an artist, you really want to put something out there. So it's probably really worth it. It would be probably worth it not making any money out of, out of something, I know how that goes and how it works, but actually, um, yeah, I mean, you should probably need some money to, to survive and to at least buy some food. Mm. So for instance, also reminiscing to the film industry, um, I was back in 2015, I was asked to speak at the Dutch Film Festival about how streaming has definitely changed the film world. and how there is an opportunity to create an extra experience for visitors. And it was not because of my talk, by the way, but actually most cinemas are actually still thriving because they have embraced the idea that people are really going to the cinema and having a drink and popcorn and all those things. Uh, whilst, I mean, you could also watch a, a movie on Netflix, obviously, but then the experience is not as special. And so I vividly remember all the films that I've seen for the past year in... Um, in um in the in the cinema you know i remember them more vividly and i have a little bit more of a special bond so you can as an audience you can decide that as a visitor um so there is the only problem is because you know in the film industry is because of the regional film rights it is very difficult to unlock more films and i believe this should be solved at a european level so for instance with the music industry you don't you know you don't have the problem that when you are you want to listen to a spice girls song you have to listen in uh, you have to live in the uk i mean that would be crazy right but this is actually in most cases this is what happens in uh, the film and also streaming industry Um, so I think it should be much more attainable for smaller parties to, for instance, start up a streaming platform because right now it's very difficult. So um, because of this, some films, which are, you know, one of the costliest, costliest artist, sorry, costliest artistic products out there only will be viewed by a handful of people. This is really sad. You know, sometimes 
someone spends 200,000 euros on a film and then only 500 people are going to watch it. I mean, you know, imagine how much that costs per, um, per head. So there might be also some opportunity here as well by streaming this by yourself and set up something, something, you know, special, you know, I'm coming with ideas later. So the same goes for performers, visual artists who perform and exhibit in theaters and museums. Most of these organizations don't have a lot of budget to let you perform or exhibit. And they're even getting hit much harder right now because of climate installations and non-returning visitors. So this is a very different, difficult part to actually get money. And I know, you know, for instance, I'm I'm from the Netherlands. So in the Netherlands, there is a quite a healthy um uh, arts and culture subsidy program right now it was actually very bad but it's getting back back to being better uh, and you know I know that some European countries are doing much more for arts and culture but I mean there is you know there is at least something but this is not you know these are not the places to make money as an artist so you have to be um, you have to look at it from a business perspective actually so if you want to by the way um, so how can I actually get more out of my practice? Mm. So the big question for you is what can you do now, right? So there's actually so many things. So we've just been reminiscing to what it was and, but actually there are so many things you can do right now, thanks you know to this day and age, and it's actually easier than ever. So you can create your own merchandise, membership, Patreon accounts write a column, paid, um, you can think about sponsorships, um, NFTs, online auctions, crowdfunding, sell prints of your originals, artwork, original artwork, um, you can sell on Etsy, you can set up a limited number of private commissions, you can create tutorials on how you're making things, you can uh, you know, be booked for speaking gigs, and actually be paid for that and never ever ex uh, accept an invitation that says only it's a lot of exposure. Please, let's just stop that, you know, as a sector, as a whole. If you don't have money for a program, then you're probably, you know, your program, you know, should be revised. Create, you can create tunes for commercial purposes. Um, you can do any other output that which derives from your personal brand. So how to choose which one you want to explore without feeling like it's costing you too much time and money and without you maybe appearing to be a sellout, which uh, I'm also talking about in that Spice Girls episode, by the way, that at some point they had so many sponsorships, you know, Chupa Chups, Polaroids, um, I'm forgetting the the deodorant brand again, but you know they had so many things that they they worked with that they were called being called sell sellouts, and you don't want that. Obviously, I understand that you have your artistic practice; you're taking it very seriously, as you should. Mm. But so, how to choose which one you want to explore? So, think first step I want you to take is think about the cause of you know what is your goal? What do you is it for you to reach as many people as you can? Who needs to hear this? Who, what is your purpose? 
why, you know, what is the purpose of you being an artist? What, what is your messaging? So, you know, write this down. You probably already wrote this down for yourself. You know, sort of like mission sta statement, but try to be as elaborate as you can, you know, because there might maybe appear something that, you know, that you're thinking, hey, you know what, this Eureka, <laughs> I know exactly what to do now. So the second step I want you to take is brainstorm the things that you really like doing aside from your artistic practice. So for instance, if you are a visual artist who likes to write, consider writing a paid column. Or one of my clients is a musician who really likes to draw and design and he created merchandise. And so you can also consider, you know, those things. And it's actually quite easy to set up an online shop. And, you know, if you want to know more about this, you know, you can send me a message on LinkedIn or Instagram on exactly how he did it, because I can help you with that. We can help you with that. Um, so, you know, brainstorm the things that you really like doing. You know, these could also be things that you did when you were a child. So, for instance, true story, when I was a child, I loved to write. I always wrote short stories, long stories, interviews. You know, I was having a modeling agency called Modelle Bureau Spice. <laughs> and, you know, there were models. I, you know, this was all in my imagination, obviously. I was... 11 or something like that. And, um, and I was actually writing down the interviews, the interviews with the models. And, you know, I was always writing, always writing these, these, and it was, you know, I wrote books and, and I had a newspaper called animals page and, um, I would distribute these at the 15 houses, you know, in my, in my street. And I just really loved writing. Okay. So this is clear. <laughs> So, and guess what, you know, be, be, you know, I have to write these podcasts before I'm going to record them. But another thing which I really liked to do was actually, um, you know, pretending to be a DJ. So I would have, I think it, it wasn't really the, my first Sony, but I really liked to be pretend DJ and then, you know, um, put a cassette because that's how old I am in my, uh, in my, um, in, in the player and then I would, you know, I would play the music and then I would kind of fade out the music and I would start start talking again. So I was kind of acting like I was a DJ. And it was so funny, you know, when I decided to start this podcast a year ago, yeah, I think I decided on this a year ago, I was thinking, what do I actually like? And I, and I wanted to just do a little, little reels. And I actually, I started with Instagram lives and Whilst I really like that, I also really like the idea of just sitting here with my microphone in my studio, home studio. And, you know, so that's one of the reasons why I, for instance, got into this, this podcast. So try to brainstorm what you like now, or maybe what you liked as a child. That always kind of, you know, brings up a lot um, of the things that you naturally are drawn to do. So the interview I had with uh, Pauline, um, she's a photographer and she's a photographer's a photography coach right now. Um, she, um, she also talks about how she was a photographer as a child. And I was thinking, oh my God, I would have never, ever photo photo photographed in my, in, in my youth, but she did, you know, so you know, we all have this little story. So probably you have those two, not just, you know, the art that you're working on, but maybe also some other things that you can't really put into your practice right now. So the third step I want you to do is think about your messaging. 
So the last thing you want is that people think that you are a sellout. So what is the reason why you need to do this? Write this down for yourself and tweak your message throughout the year. So maybe it could actually be saying, you know, like, um, maybe you're saying like, so I don't want to negotiate with, uh, with the stages that I'm, I'm showing at, you know, we're trying to keep the, the price of the ticket as low as possible for you as a visitor, because I know the cost of living has, has really drastically, um, gone up for the past few months and but people who can carry it uh you know they can you know purchase my i don't know merchandise book um you know whatever you have for them maybe a patreon account maybe a membership if you really like my art if you want to support me this is the way i want as much people as possible to to really um you know enjoy my output but I want to ask you this in return, if you can carry it, you know, so, I mean, you know, write this down when, you know, what works best for yourself. You know, I can't really predict this because I don't know exactly who's listening, obviously, but, you know, just so you'll, you know, you, you have an idea on how to get started. And then the fourth step uh, that I want you to take, and this is a very important one, is to think about how to leverage your new income stream. So what can you do to grow this? and create a compound effect so that it feels like you're stacking from there. So it doesn't feel like you're starting over all the time. And so create for yourself three different scenarios and how much work you want to spend on this. So for instance, I'm helping my clients and you know, those are not, my clients are not just artists, all different walks of life, you know, people that I'm working with, but so I'm asking them if they are creating their budget for next year, which, you know, they're doing right now or their sales plan for next year. I'm asking them to create a good, better, best scenario. So you have your good, um, you know, income, but also your costs and then better income and maybe a little bit more cost than at the good. And then the best is, you know, I mean, that will be amazing. And think of all the things that you can actually do. Um, and also how much work you want to spend on that. So try to also think about, you know, what if I'm going to create, for instance, if you have a Patreon account and you're releasing a new episode or a new song or a new maybe book or, or a chapter every month, then you need to set time aside for that and you have to decide and determine how many members do I need to, you know, keep this interesting. So for instance, if you're saying I need 100 members who are paying, I don't know, $8 each month, I don't know, um, if you need at least 100 to keep this interesting for yourself, uh, then you have to find ways, you know, if you're seeing that people are, for instance, un unsubscribing, you have to find a way to get new um, fans or new uh, subscribers to your membership and you can actually you know work from for this you know from a very you know a business point of view without actually thinking the emotions of which I've definitely had um oh no this person never wants to work with me again oh this is so terrible they hate me you know everybody hates me <laughs> so um yeah so next week there's an uh, episode coming about uh, criticism and self-criticism so um yeah be <laughs> That's going to be a nice one. <laughs> um, so yeah, have that have that budget, have that plan ready, uh, ready to go. 
So then the next step is, or the question that I want to ask you is how to reach your audience. And I probably don't have to tell you this. Of course, you can you reach your audience through social media. But I would like you to consider creating a newsletter too, and actually also send out updates with interesting contents. You know, this could be things you like, this could be things that you're teaching your audience, maybe this could be inspiration of the month, uh, maybe a progress on, you know, how, you know, one of the pieces coming together. Um, how do you do it? It's really up to you. You can also really have um, something that you're you're selling. Uh, so, for instance, I would really suggest to have, you know, to keep that 80-20 rule in mind. So 80% value and 20% sales. And also do not forget, you know, to drive people to subscribe. And that's something you can do at social media again. Maybe you can also consider organizing an event with other artists. Maybe you can join an art fair or anything that might increase the visibility of your work. Don't be afraid and also brainstorm on, on that. And also maybe write down names of 10 artists in your profession that you really like and that seem to be more um, successful than you are. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. You really don't exactly know. Maybe someone is, you know, always having gigs, for instance, but then you find out, oh, right, they're playing for free. That's why, you know. <laughs> um, so try to, uh, you know, write down those 10 names and try to figure out or ask them if they are your friends also, you know, how do you do it? So have that conversation about um, how to um, how to drive and be more popular. Obviously, your output has to be good. Your art has to be good. Uh, but there's also a lot you can do through storytelling to actually drive people to your work. And I know you did not become an artist to think about this. <laughs> and there are some artists who really like doing this all themselves. You know, go for it. Figure it out yourself. Um, you know, there's so many ways that, that you can... You can do to explore. You can listen to all my podcast episodes, which will be in some way very interesting to you to, um, you know, to learn more about, you know, running your business. And um, for instance, I'm also having a free sales plan workshop available. I will put the link in the show notes. Uh, so you can all figure this out yourself. I mean, perfect. Um, if you don't like this, you can always ask people to help you, right? So you can ask publishers, managers, a coach, and look at if look if their success, you know, with other artists or other writers um, it might be, you know, if their other success is just, you know, for instance, press, you know, a few gigs for one euro. Or, but actually see if the managers actually really understand what it's like to survive being an artist in this time instead of, for instance, 20 years ago and actually help you with this, then this that's a match. So if they really have a business plan for you, for instance, for the upcoming three years, okay, maybe the first year you will, you will, um, you, you will do performances for less money, but you know, there needs to be a plan. There needs to be a growth plan. And this is really something you can ask of your manager or of your publisher or of your, or of your coach. Yes. But I mean, I'm willing to invest, but I need to get a return on my investment. And that's actually not really, I mean, that's, that's a really normal and logical approach. Actually, you're paying someone to do that for you. So 
Those were my tips. And if you liked this episode, I am offering Groundbreaking, an 11 euro online pre-recorded training, which dives much deeper into this material, how to actually set this up. And it's a limited offer during the Black Friday weekend, which is the last Friday of November. And you can find the waitlist in the show notes. And um, I really hope to see you inside. And if you're, you know, subscribed to the waitlist, you um, you will definitely get a message from me you know, saying that the waitlist is, uh, or that you can purchase it right now. Thank you so much for listening. Share this episode with friends who need to hear this, and would love to see you next week. Bye bye.